a relationship with them. So these are all real life scenarios. I'm going to change some of the names. There'll be some who I'm sure have talked about this openly, so they won't mind me sharing their stories so much. But um, yeah, let's see how it goes, because these are all real life scenarios related to mental health and Sikhi because they're, they're Sikh families. So all right. the first thing I wanted to show is this slide, the power of words. This is an experiment I did with the Sikh parenting group and they wanted us to have three jars. It's a famous established experiment and it looks at the power of words and how everything has a vibration. And Gurbani talks about um, different guns in terms of virtues and one of them is sweet speech. And um, it talks about mitabolara and not to speak fikka. And there's also shabad um, in Sukhmani Sahib where it talks about jebash prasad, like all the, with your, with your grace, with your grace this, with your grace I get to eat, with your grace, all these delicacies. So there's, there is that um, positivity within Gurbani. And basically what happens with this experiment, you have three jars, you put rice in each jar, you put a little bit of um, water in each jar, and then with one jar, you say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, or negative things like you're ugly or you're dumb, all of these types of things. And to the other jar, you say, I love you, you're a good, you're a good rice, you're a good um you're very good all that kind of stuff you're beautiful and then after 30 days you look at the different effects it has the words have on the rice and this is a very established experiment it's done with different things like apples or um or uh, rice in this case but there's another jar a third jar which they used which is ignore so with that jar you don't say anything and it it relates to um it relates to what we're going to be talking about later very much so because out of these three jars there's probably 10 families who did this experiment and everyone had the same results the ignore jar was the worst it was the most uh, it had a foul smell there was um it was you could see it was starting to decompose whereas the i love you jar the one with positive words had um it, it still smelled good. It still looked in the best condition. So it's just an illustration and a very practical one. I've tried to talk to my kids about this, how we really need to be careful about the words that we use to each other. Um, my kids are young, so they might have an argument and say something to each other. So, you know, it's really, words are really powerful. So when you're using words, you have to pick them wisely. And in WG Sabdas um, Shabad, it talks about how like no one becomes good or bad from someone saying so that's one translation of that Shabbat so in, in, that, in that instance um, God's made us the way we are he loves us that's why we have this human birth like of all the of all the, the different life forms he's given us the highest life form because he loves us because of the bhakti, because of the uh, devotion that we've expressed in previous lives. So we've got this human birth, we've got this opportunity, and words have a very big effect. So you can't necessarily change someone's character with words, but if you say something to somebody long enough, it will have an impact. And one of the biggest things out of this is neglect. 
So when you ignore somebody, or when somebody is isolated for a long period of time, and that will be a theme within this presentation, the impact of that can be um, very profound. And we'll look at that a little bit later. So one of the things around this is there's an area of the brain called the reticular activating system. And that part of the brain, there's millions of signals coming in to each of us every day. Like when we wake up in the morning and we go for a walk or we go to uni, um, there's lots of different input, inputs coming in. So it might be the cars that go past or the weather or sounds and everything we see, hear, smell, these are all inputs. And there's areas of the brain that filter out which are relevant to you or which aren't. So the thousands of faces, hundreds of faces that we might see, there will be some that we recognize and then we stop and have a conversation. There's some people that we ignore because our brain doesn't see that as relevant. If it tried to process every single and tried to think about and rationalize and, and give attention to every single input that was coming in, we, we would very quickly go insane. So a good example of this is if you're buying a car, my mom just bought a Hyundai Iconic and I had never seen that car on the road, neither had she. But we went to Car Giant, we tried out loads of cars and then this is the one she liked, so she bought it. And now whenever I'm on the road, I see loads of them. And it's funny because I'd never seen that car before prior to my mom purchasing it. But it's, it's because that now has become relevant my mind is looking out for it more and it's noticing it more. So that's uh, the RAS is the part of the brain that's responsible for that. So gratitude is a really important practice. There's lots of evidence behind it. It's, it's helped me immensely in my life. It's helped me with grieving process following the death of my brother. Um, and it still helps me today. I do it every day or try to. So essentially you, you write down you number, say one to 10 or one to 20, whatever practice that you can maintain and then you'll write down things that you're grateful for and when you are deliberately trying to find things good things in your life then you notice more good things and then it becomes love begets love gratitude begets things to be grateful for so you become more and more grateful you become happier as a result and Baba Isha Singh who's a famous uh um, he used to say contentment santok uh, which Gurbani talks about heavily um, and gratitude is are the most attractive virtues a person can have in, in life. So there is a, a big emphasis on in Gurbani around um, Santok, around contentment, around gratitude, around um, one Gursik said that Simran, the reason we do it is because we're in wonder. We're saying Vahe Guru like you so we're saying um, great vahe, great um, guru, is one interpretation of that. So it's it's a form of gratitude practice in itself. So the more we can bring ourselves into that state of mind, then the more we find things to appreciate, the happier we feel, and the more that love begets love. Um, any questions on this experiment or this bit? Because we've got a lot of case studies to go through, and it would be good to get your thoughts and for this to be a bit more interactive. I'm going to wait for someone to say something. I think we're all right then. Can I carry on if you want. Okay, perfect. Has anyone done this experiment before? You can. I've seen it, but I've never like participated. Like, where, like, I've seen where you put 
notes in a jar, like a positive reminder a day, you just take it out each day or something. When you have like a negative thought, you take it out. Of, like, I've always thought about doing it, but I've never, never had the time to do it. Like, actually create a whole like jar and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of this stuff. Like, we're, we're doing more and more stuff around mindset. We're doing stuff for, um, for basics. And one of the conversations we were having is that um, it was scientific. Was it scientifically proven? As I heard, it was rejected by mainstream scientists. Um, well, I've, I've tried it. We've tried it. And I'm not sure whether you mean the gratitude practice, the RAS part, or whether this specific experiment. But the, the 10 families that tried it in the Sikh parenting group, all of them had the same results. Um, neglect or ignoring the jar had the most detrimental results. And then it got progressively better. So words had some impact, even though they were negative. And the I love views and the positive reinforcements had the most positive impact. As being a parent, and I recently bought a puppy, I can see how it makes sense. It's logical because when you when you get a dog, if you ever if you ever buy a dog when they're training the dog, they say the way training works now is you're not supposed to shout at the dog because the dog just sees you as an unsafe person. It doesn't necessarily correlate the behavior that they did with the negative outcome of you shouting. Whereas it's a much more effective way to positively reinforce behavior. So every time the dog does something you want, like the dog sits, you say, good, sit, and then you give him a treat. And within a couple of days, and it's, it's a lot more pain-free and a lot less stressful, the dog starts to reinforce that behavior because it knows, okay, my master likes when I do this. So I'm going to continue doing this because I get attention, I get love. So it, it's amazing what people will do for attention and love. Um, and a lot of mental health issues may stem from, or a lot of trauma, childhood trauma, cyclical trauma may stem from um, lack, of, lack of attention or lack of, lack of um, love in childhood. And if you want to look into it more so, uh, in more depth, there's a famous author called Gabe Mate. He's written the, he's written the, the leading book on addiction. And um, he's also written a book on how to keep hold of your kids. So it's, it's more of a relationship book, but it, it talks about the importance of um, positive reinforcement and the importance of having healthy relationships between adult and or caregiver and um, care receiver. So that's, that's definitely worth a read as well. Lots of research, um, lots of science to back that up. And if any of you have children in, in the near future, there's lots of the parenting books now talk about positive reinforcement and the effect that that has. And whereas my mom used to, you know, give me a tupper if I did the wrong thing. And they're saying that necessarily isn't the best approach for everyone because the person that you rely on to keep you safe and secure is the person that's causing you harm. So it can mess up some neural pathways and affect um, neuro neurological development. So it's just one opinion, but definitely maybe try it out, see. See what you think. Okay. Next, next case study. So this is a friend of mine. Her name is uh, Amy Deep, and she is a engineer. She runs a podcast, and she's she's uh, going to be a guest on on my podcast. And uh, her post podcast is called Engineering Girls. Um, so she gets lots of people from lots of different communities, and and um, she talks about engineering, trying to get women into engineering. Sorry, Bali. I think someone had a question. I, I think I think Bali had a question. I think he said he has a question. Is it? 
Yeah, I had a question. Sorry. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. Um, just going back to case study one. Yeah. Um, we talk about you talk about obviously positive reinforcement. Um, in Gurbani, there's a lot of shabads where Guru have said in the shabads it says you know like it ex explains us how we are murak, how we're nothing, how we're fools, and so how does that? If we're telling each, if we're telling ourselves that we are nothing and we are worthless, then isn't that coming the I hate you part? Yeah, it's a really good question. And with the group that we have, with the, the basics group where we talk about, we discuss kind of mental health, that's that's a common question that comes up because there are shabads where Guru Sahib talks about um Avgunupare. And clearly, we, we know that their, their lifestyle is exalted. Um, so are they speaking from personal experience? And are they saying what they felt? Or are they saying that for our benefit, because they cover every kind of state of mind that a person can be in to help them go from that state of mind into um, turn towards God? So there's Shabbos like Diva Mera Eknam Dukhvich Bayatil, that my life is so consumed with Dukh but that duck, that pain, that sorrow ends up being the fuel that lights the candle. And the next part of the shabbat is, is that that flame burns of nam, burns away all my pain. So there's, there's, um, it's an interesting question, and I'm not sure I have the answer. But there's, there's lots of, on the, on the contrary, there's lots of um, positive, uh, there's lots of positive kind of inclinations in Gurbani as well. There's a shabbat around what qualities does a person need to meet you? And it talks about nimrata, it talks about um, sweet speech. Um, so there's lots of those shabads. And when we look at when we look at so the in Gurbani, there's this running theme that there's there's these two paths, live that there's the path of live, which is the road to God. And there's the path of Taat, which is all called, called Maya, which is the path away from God. And so it says, live Taat, there's two roads, live and Taat. And so live Dara is known as Satagun, which is Sat, Santok, Deya, Shen, Shilta, Tat, Jat, Sat. So that's like um, good qualities. And those good qualities naturally would make a person feel um, happier. They'd be in a better state of mind, like charity, honesty, compassion, love, um, truth, uh, modesty. And then there's, there's Tamogun, where we have Kaam, Krolo, Mankar, so the five vices. In Gurbani, it talks about is Dehi Andar Panjitorvase, Kaam, Krolo, Mankara. So th there's these five vices in the body. And they and as well as the five, there's, there's Trishna, um, Ninda, Chugli, Irka, Dubda, Dvet, like there's um, hatred towards people, duality towards people, um, slander of people, backbiting, uh, gossip, all of these things, which would potentially be um, virtues or characteristics which would put somebody in more of a negative state of mind. And then there's Rajogun, which is um, more to do with uh, Artsara, which is to do with livelihood and work and those types of things. So 
there are there are different scenarios given in Gurbani. Sometimes uh, in the Shabbos, Guru Sahib talks about hum uh, afgun like I'm full of vices. And then in sometimes in Gurbani it says um, that there's no difference. Harjan like between the Harjan, the devotee of God, and between God, there's no difference. They're the same. So there's both sides to it. Does that answer your question, Billy? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, I appreciate there's both. There's uh, many sides, but I'm just wondering. Obviously, Guru's written Bani for our benefits. So I'm not questioning that. It's just like how that affects us mentally, I guess, as well, because we've always been taught, especially now, like recently, praise yourself, give yourself self-love, tell yourself good things. But like you said, you you know, you quoted some Shabbats and, and Gurbani there where you're, you're telling yourself, you know, you're not, you're not all that and, you know, you are low, lowest of the low kind of thing. But just think yeah. what that affects you have on your mental state and then, the, you know. I was going to say when the difference uh, here is with Gurwani that when um, Guru Sahib says these things, it's there to humble you, to make you humble. It's not there to um, bring you into like a, a state of mindset that would cause you harm, if you get what I mean. So the difference, if you're saying like really bad things about yourself, like you hate yourself, this, that, there, but that's causing your yourself, that's going to cause you harm in that sense for your mental health but when Guru Sahib saying those kind of things which could be seen in a negative way from my understanding I think that's from a to put you in to humble you and your ego and um and it's it's the way it's not there from kind of perspective of you know all these things are gonna I'm you know how I'm hating myself but there to humble yourself so there's a slight difference if if you can if you get what I mean yeah, I, I just I just struggle with that concept personally. Um, find the balance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be, I can only talk about my personal experience. I don't know much, but from my personal experience, there's there's never been a time personally, and I'm not saying that this is everyone's experience, but there's never been a time where I've been doing Amritvallah, doing reading Gurbani, doing Gurbani Vichar, and I felt I felt like the the shabads or the simran is having a negative impact on me. It's only ever raised my state of mind and taken me to a place where I've experienced peace, which I haven't got from anything else. But that's just my experience. That doesn't mean that that's the case for everyone. I'm just sharing. Okay, so let's move on. But your point is completely valid. And I, I don't have all the answers. This is just a discussion. So let's park that one for now. So I think... Yeah, I don't know if everyone in, in the in the chat is male, but this is my friend Amy Deep. She is from California. She was married, and um, she shares about her experience on her podcast. And so this this post stuck out to me, and it was talking about how just because a girl is dressed a certain way, it doesn't mean that other people have permission to like sexually abuse, for example. And, and the reason I, I'm going to be talking about real life stuff is because I think it's relevant. I think it's important to talk about real life stuff. Um, and I recently did a podcast with somebody about safeguarding within the Sikh community because within any kind of religious community or probably within any kind of large scale organization, there is abuse. 
and there's lots of different types of abuse sexual abuse is one form there's also like financial abuse like emotional abuse um, neglect is a form of abuse and and so this case study is more actually re related to a girl who came up to me when I was delivering a talk at um, our RBS bank in, in Birmingham. And so it was a health and well-being day um, and everyone there was predominantly Sikh. And this girl came up to me, I'd never met before at the end, and she said, um, I'm with this guy and we were going to get married and he raped me. And uh, this was quite deep and quite heavy because I didn't know this girl. I didn't know what to do with this information. And um, it was disheartening as well because you know, she wanted to get married to this person. She was she was intent on having a life with this person, and they known they had known each other for a long period of time. And so she had gone to the police. She had done kind of the, they had done the rape kit stuff where they do all the forensic stuff, and she was going through that process. She was in communication with um, helplines and organisations that were helping us through that process. And fortunately, my wife is a doctor of psychology, so said you should call my wife she'll be able to um, signpost you to the appropriate services but I think this 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 one is is related to mental health because I think with males in particular we experience a lot of um, we experience a lot of gum and it might not be like I don't think it's as prevalent in females it might be that this might just be my experience and things might have changed or might just be my own personal experience. But I think this is an important thing that I'm 36 now and I'm learning that it doesn't really get better on its own unless you find strategies to manage your, your kind of uh, mental health around this and your well-being around this, then it's potentially going to be quite a destructive ha habit and it's potentially going to, affect you for a long period of time and the reason i say this there's lots of shavas in gurbani it says Kam is kaya ko gale. Gale is like um to make rotten and there's another shabad here um Kam is sabla nit ut ut that the body the nagar the the kind of village of the body is full of um lust and anger and and nit ut ut so wake up every day and fight against it and so it talks about how we can do that and we'll talk about that later as well but this is something i wanted to address because i think it's within our community there's a lot of shame around it so when i got married it was you got married through arranged marriage and you don't have premarital relationships and that was like a no-go but the reality of the situation now and even then was that people will date, they will, especially in university, they might see somebody that they potentially want to have as a long-term partner. And so they will go through that courting progress, process. Um, and I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, but I'm saying around calm and uncontrolled desire, it can be quite a destructive thing for males in particular. And it's going to have, if it's destructive for a male, it's going to have destructive impacts on a female as well. So the, the internet is a really um, interesting thing because part of the reason the industry grew um, so big is because of the porn industry and uh, pornography. I have people message me on, on Instagram who, are, um, who have problems with uh, porn addiction. 
And so what we do know from studies and from the studies that I've read is that it can, it can make it difficult for you to have meaningful, genuine relationships when you're addicted to things like pornography. So Warren Buffett, who's got nothing to do with psychology or, or sicky, but he has this saying that the, the shackles of habit are easy to break when you're young. But once you're old and you've been, your habits are formed and neurons that fire together, wire together, and that behavior has become um, consolidated, it's very difficult to change. So you guys are all young. So this is just um, something that is potentially worth talking about at this stage, because then you don't get to my age and, and have the same struggles. Um, any questions on this? Will there be a, will there be a link? Sorry, uh, will there be a link for your for the podcast or like your where you guys do your talks, etc. So we can have a look at that as well. Maybe or like, do you have an idea where it's going to come out? Um, the one with Amy Deep. Uh, that that one uh, that one as well. But then your previous ones that you've done as well in the past. Oh, the one of the one on abuse is out already, and I'll tell you where you can get access to everything um, that I've done historically in in the past amy deeps one is going to be specifically related to um divorce and the stigma around divorce within our community mm -hmm. and the kind of the the whole stigma around the girl can't leave her husband even if their husband's abusive and all of that kind of stuff so that's more focused around that issue which might not be as relevant for you guys because I don't, I don't know if any of you are married mm -hmm. but um in terms of sexual abuse and that type of stuff there's there's been one that we did on safeguarding with somebody who worked in, in the Met Police for five years. He's a Nahang Singh, and he worked in the serious crime department. So he looked at a lot of, um, he looked at things safeguarding from a Sikhi perspective, um, a historical perspective of what used to happen around Baba Deep Singh's times, but also um, he was very diplomatic as well. Uh, yeah, so there, there is a lot of issues around. And if you want to learn about, abuse in kind of other communities as well documented there's stuff around the, the obviously the christian orthodox like the catholic faith there's lots of stuff around that there's stuff around different people in different faiths i'm not going to go in and start slandering people but if you type in like cult you'll probably find there's there's often a sexual element to cults and and other groups does that answer your question yeah yeah that's all good yeah yeah so any other questions on relationships premarital sexual assault that kind of stuff uh pornography masturbation um what else is there like there, there is also something to be said for the the kind of acceptable image of a male and a female so one one negative effect of pornography is that people once once they view pornography they're not satisfied in in their relationships because they're so used to seeing uh, and this warped reality um and in terms of neuroscience the brain is very poor at differentiating between what you see and what you're doing so there's studies on basketball players where some will actually practice shooting a free throw and some will sit in a room and mentally go and rehearse and there's a book called the Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And he talks about um, Michael Phelps he used to have two sessions every day where he used to just sit in a room and visualize every stroke, how many strokes it would take to get to the other end of the pool, how he was gonna turn. 
and what he was going to do if his glasses failed. Um, so that, that means water comes through um, on, um, on his swimming goggles. And, and those instances actually happened during the Olympics. But because he had drilled them in his head so many times, his brain had already formed those neural patterns. So it was like he had already been in those circumstances many, many times before. And the army do this, um, special forces do this. So it's a well-established um, principle. And in terms of psychology and personal development, there's, there's something called the, um, the morning miracle, which is basically six habits, one of which is affirmations, the other of which is visualizations. And so these, these things do have an impact. And so when we're watching uh, like pornography, for example, it does have an impact on our mind. So it's just something to be mindful of and, and you know, like what the solutions are, um, because the accessibility of these types of things is, is so much more so than it was when I was, when I was younger. Um, like, I mean, how long does it take to go on Instagram and view something or whereas, you know, things have changed and I think it's going to get progressively worse and going to be, be progressively harder for people to maintain kind of a very um, clear uh, frame of mind with all the potential distractions that they are, women being one of them, or men for women. Okay, case study three. So this was actually one of my patients, and I was having, I, I sent a message on, on Instagram, and it was, a, it was a post that I shared related to family or or the power of family. And one of my patients um, disclosed to me that she was uh, a suicidal. And I had seen her a couple of days before. She seemed like the happiest, nicest person. Um, she had a family, she's got kids. She was divorced, so she's been through a difficult time. She has a separation and grieving process of losing, losing somebody or a relationship um, failing. Um, so there was that, but I was, I was really taken aback when she told me, and there's been cases, I mean, me and Baji went to a camp recently, um, and there was somebody who came up to me at the camp, and I was just, I said, you know, thank you for what you were doing, they were doing something to help out, and they said, you know, I watched your, watched your um, podcast episode on suicide with um, Sikh Dad, and, sh and she said, you know, I, I've um, been suicidal, I worry about my son because 75% of all suicides are male. In the under 45 age group, suicide is the number one cause of death for males. So this is a big thing, but it's not something that we really have the toolkit or the awareness to, to, um, to troubleshoot and problem solve and, and prevent. So in, in Gurbani, it talks about... Um, that Bhagat um, Friji says, I, I went high and saw that every house was on fire. So there is, I think, a false narrative that only we have problems and this, this person has they've got their life together and is, is completely fine. They don't have any issues, but everybody struggles. It might be the relationship with their father or um, their, their girlfriend-boyfriend relationship or... Um, or a relationship with a co-worker or somebody in your cohort. And so people, everyone is going through a rough time. Um, but with mental health, we don't really see it as a physical ailment. Like if, if I broke my leg, 
you know um jasleen would probably say you, know, you probably need to rest stay off that for a couple of weeks before you wait bear and within three months you'll have a completely new femur and you'll be you'll be fine to start running again and i'd say thanks but with depression which has a similar kind of life cycle um we don't we don't really give people that and I, i'm talking about myself here as well we don't really give people that kind of space to think okay this is a this is a real condition it's just like somebody getting um breaking a leg or getting coronavirus and they need that space they need this treatment they need these uh treatment options um and then we can we can support them to get better so i think that is particularly bad in in um BAME, so black and ethnic minority groups. And, and I think there's evidence to support that. And from growing up in a Punjabi family, it, was, it wasn't really something you talked about. If you had mental health issues, if you were going through anxiety or depression, particularly if you're male, the narrative was Bandaban and look, this person's got it this bad and, you know, share Banyakar and and all of which is true. But sometimes, it may be that we need to give it the same kind of um, respect that we give physical ailments and and be supportive for that. So why why do you think suicide is rates are so high? 75% of all um, suicides are male and um, in terms of people who actually go through with it. Um, stats are something like 55% of males will, will consider committing suicide in their lives. So that's one in every two. Um, and this is in the UK. Anxiety levels are the, in the world, they're highest in the US and they're joint second in the UK and Canada. So you wonder why is mental health so bad in developed nations? Um, so why, why do you think, and I've, I've been having been around for a while, 36 years, I've, there's a recently a Singh, a DP Singh, who was a kind of car fanatic from, I think, Midlands, Leeds, or somewhere around that. He committed suicide. There was, um, there was Jet Singh, who's a, he was, I was training in wrestling, and my coach, who's on Team GB, um, Jet Singh, who's a Sikh in our community, had a family, kids, uh, businesses. He committed suicide. We all know of um, Robin Williams, somebody who had money, fame, um, accolades was was loved by all. He committed suicide. Halle Berry. I was re I was reading about this in uh, in preparation for a podcast, and um, she tried to um, she locked herself in a garage, and uh, so she wanted to um, commit suicide from carbon monoxide poisoning. And then at the last minute, she realized her mum was upstairs, and her mum was going to find her, so she didn't go through with it. But so it doesn't seem like fame or money or popularity or facebook likes or instagram followers can can save you from from this stuff so what do you think the reasons are that suicide rates are so high in males i think it's because they they don't talk whereas women talk uh, to each other i think probably more than men would about personal things anybody else i agree with you Also, in terms of um, more um, developed countries, that the statistics that you said, do you think that, that that might just be because maybe these kind of uh, surveys aren't as 
uh, done as properly in with less developed countries? Because I can't imagine you know, in the UK and USA, because they say UK, USA and Canada are the main places where mental health and things are bad. But I can't imagine that they would go to like, you know, all the villages in India and, you know, around Africa and things and do surveys on people's mental health. So that's a good point. There's going to be lots of variables like that. There might be national pride. Like maybe maybe North Koreans or Chinese wouldn't want to disclose that they're having any yeah. mental health issues. So those are all valid points. Um, yeah, but you say that, but there's a big issue. There still is a big issue with, I mean, I know it's kind of specific, but former suicide in Punjab, wasn't it? That, that was a big issue where yeah. you could say, you know, it was, it was, um, isn't mainly in the bins as well, so you could say it's not even like educated or uh, people. Uh, my, my thought was going to be a disconnect. I mean, when you mentioned about why is it happening in the Western world, the disconnection from nature, um, anxieties from, I, I think, overstimulation maybe. Of, of We're just overstimulated with all this um, social media and news and just con constantly on and possibly a weakness of, of the mind like why would when someone thinks to commit suicide because they have no purpose to live and they, they're not strong enough to to deal with the issues it's usually a, a hopelessness right so combination between weak mental state and a lack of will to live maybe anybody else thank you yeah, I think there's um, this whole thing about, like, for example, the reason why men commit suicide a bit more is because they have this like masculine image they have to uphold. And any time that they don't hold that masculine image, they show vulnerability that's seen as being weak in this like capitalist society. And in terms of being like in America and the UK a bit more with mental health, we're in a very like fast paced world where we don't have time to think about ourselves. It's mostly about others so when it comes to men they get trapped in that and forget to think about themselves yeah that's a good point as well thank you anybody else okay so i think thank you for your contributions i really appreciate it um so what, how can you recognize if you've got a family member, like, you know, if my brother, for example, or my friend, what, what signs do you think they are that that person's potentially at risk? Change in behavior. Um, yeah, I think change in behavior from how someone may be, may be to how they may be acting differently could be a, a first sign and other factors. What, what change in behavior do you mean? Like any kind of change or, or do you mean like closing off or? Uh, initially, I would have thought it would have been, you know, someone who's just like completely just closing off and they're kind of just, you know, they may seem quite depressed in that sense. But then I remember I, I heard something recently uh, and it said that even going the complete opposite where someone's just um, really ecstatic, really just kind of uh, trying to get like the attention like really out there that can also be another sign because maybe it's something that's not, they're not happy internally. So when they kind of go with two people, they're like really, you know, out there and excited, but really it's because they're suffering and that's just a way of trying to get it out. 
So this I guess Robin Robin Williams is probably a good example of that, right? He was the life of the party and yeah, but he was struggling with alcoholism and, and drug addiction and lots of other things. Um, anyone else? If you had a family member or friend, is there anything that you think you could pick up on potentially? Uh, I think sometimes you can, like um, Bart, you mentioned, there's this either extreme or complete withdrawal or a cry for attention. But sometimes there's no signs. I think I think sometimes it's just like it's virtually impossible to pick up on it. Um, all you can do is just try to maintain close relationships with the uh, people you trust as much as you can. So if that person ever has that thought or or these thoughts, then they feel um, they feel like safe, comfortable, and they trust you to share that thought without being judged, basically. So I think that's what you can do just to keep those channels open. But sometimes, unfortunately, um, especially from a male perspective as well, I guess, because, you know, we're, we're a bit more um, keeping our thoughts to ourselves and, you know, things like that, really. We don't really express deep emotions. So, yeah. I think those are all true. Thank you for that, Bali. Um, and it, it kind of brings me to my next point, which Bali's already covered, really. Um, but what should you do? If you think there's somebody, like let's say my, my son starts to close off or my, my brother, I notice a change in behavior. Like, um, you know, what, what should we do? Talk to them and uh, try to understand you know what maybe why they're kind of changing why this where, they, where this, the root of their suffering may come from and then sometimes because you may have a close relationship to them um they might tell you but also because of that relationship they might not want to tell you things so some so i think getting like a a therapist a counselor someone to talk to is amazing because it really helps to to get past that kind of stuff excellent yeah, and from personal experience, having interviewed people who, who have uh, attempted suicide and having um, people disclose that with me, there are certain signs that you might, they might say stuff as well. They might make comments like, you know, nobody would care if I died anyway, or, or just in passing, there might be these cries for help that um, somebody mentioned earlier. So there might be those. Uh, also, they've said that things that aren't helpful is to say, oh, what would happen to this person if you died you know think about this person or think about that person they say um overloading them with guilt um doesn't doesn't help uh and so and they've said what really helps is just somebody being there it may not be a solution that they're looking for it may just be that that person to be there that shoulder to cry on and it may take a while like with depression the average time for an episode is six months so it's a long period of time to support somebody. And there is, a, understandably, there's a strong correlation between depression and suicide. Um, it's not in the experiences that I know of and the interviews that I've watched and the TED Talks about this. It's, it's not usually like you decide one day and then you do it the next day. In, in one instance, there was a guy who was planning it for 15 years. Um, so if you do have somebody who's who's kind of crying out for help there are services available which we'll talk about um and as Bardi said 
sometimes my wife's a doctor of psychology and I can't talk to her about certain things because she'd be like, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? And it's like, I don't, I don't need you to give me solutions. I need you to listen to me. Um, so sometimes it can actually be better to talk to somebody who doesn't know you. There's no emotional baggage there. Their job is just to listen. Um, and they're not going to be like, oh, well, you should not say that to your chachi then or something like that. Um, they're not going to do that. So that that's also worth having. Like if you had a broken leg, going back to that example, you wouldn't think, oh, you know, I'll have a little bit of haldi dud um, and I'll be all right. You know, you'd probably go and see an orthopedic surgeon and, and get the treatment that you needed. So there's no... There's no shame in accessing um, whatever services are available. If we think of that, everything is created with God, um, with God's grace. And so doctors, medical treatments, in, in all these interventions, they are also um, a boon from God. Anybody got any other comments on suicide, this case study? This, sorry, buddy. So what, what from, I mean, from your experience and your knowledge, what do you think, root cause or root causes are for for suicide L looking at the evidence with males because i did a podcast on this it was financial pressures uh relationship difficulties um isolation and there was like a i think it comes back to financial financial pressures encompassed within this is a sense of inadequacy like you know they're they're, they're not earning enough they're not successful enough they're not enough as a person um, there's those depending on how kind of granular you want to go there's potentially with mental health there is potentially a, a genetic component so if somebody has a a parent with schizophrenia for example or a parent with depression or a parent with ptsd they are more likely to experience that or alcoholism they are more likely to experience that now my wife's a doctor of psychology and we don't agree on that i, I agree there is a genetic predisposition and she's very much like with Sikki, you know, everybody has this human birth, everybody has their own opportunity, they have their own lekha, they can form their own garam, they can form their own um, kind of uh, good and good and bad deeds and the outcomes that come with, with living one way of life over another. So that, that is probably up for debate. Yeah, J just going on that point of Sikki you mentioned then, in, in Gurbani, you see a range of illnesses and uh, illnesses and uh, conditions explained and referenced. I don't think I've ever seen anything on suicide. I know it talks about the death of your ego and things like that, but from maybe a Sikh history in Tiaz perspective or Gurbani or anything in the show, but like, have you seen or know of anything where maybe a case or maybe a show about the lines where it's talking about suicide that's an interesting question and we recently we did a podcast yesterday actually with um just meeting 1699 the guy who is the nang singh and we were talking about what are the shabbats um related to depression what are the shabbats related to anxiety because i was i was asking i was generally asking does uh guru Sahib talk about mental health conditions and so they were quoting um, Shabbos around anxiety and uh, quoting Shabbos around duk and being dukhi. Um, but in terms of suicide, I'm not aware of any Shabbos related to suicide. Um, and the, the Shabbos related to death are... Gurbani is more pointed towards the mind as opposed to the body. So um, there's Shabbos around killing the mind. Um, 
what color barn are you wear or how big your bug is or what style of bug you have like um or the style those aren't really things that are talked about in gurbani it's more the relationship of the the mind and the journey of the mind there's there's very few kind of physical stuff um in terms of historical stuff there's a guy called Sikh history series i did a podcast with him he talked about a few historical references where um the sing uh, you may have heard the story the uh, the name mistake um escapes me so please remind me if i forget but there was a sing i think during the badu uh, badaka days and um his mom didn't want him to be a sikh because his his life was at risk so she shaved his head um she drugged him and shaved his head and he said you're not you're not my you're not my mother and um he was going to jump in a well and then there was uh, the story goes that there was a jatha nahang sings and they said if you want to die if you want to give your life give your life for the pant don't give your life don't give your life to suicide and there's a famous battle that he fought in um and he he fought in many battles and was victorious in many battles so if that yeah he went on to do some amazing things so i guess there is there is that but in i know in catholicism there is this suicide is a sin and if you go to, if you do suicide uh if you commit suicide you cannot go to heaven that kind of stuff but in gurbani it talks about ankale sab divas saas na badan katan til saar your breaths are counted for before your maran lakhaye mandal mein aaye that before you're born your your death is written so that's debatable whether like suicide was written for that person or whether that was something that they took into their own hands i don't think there's a concrete answer on that and from a sikhi perspective do you think suicide is a natural death if you can say a natural death like um yeah is it is it is it a sin or is it a condition like cancer uh, you know like a thing like that yeah that's a really difficult question i i have a lot of empathy towards people with mental health conditions i personally i don't think it's weakness of the mind i think it's um something that can happen to anybody i've seen some one of my best friends uh he is he is a professional athlete and he went through a very difficult time in his marriage and then started drinking and then went down a, a kind of spiral and this is the strongest person that i've ever met not just physically but um he was the one that held everybody together through when they went through terrible times so i think i work in a hospital with people with they call bariatrics um morbidly obese people and um there's a lot of judgment around them as well people think oh it's your fault you're fat you should have just laid off the snickers and not had so many cokes but there's always a psychological comorbidity like they they lost a loved one or they they were abused or there there's some kind of scenario that led them down a difficult road so i i i think i don't want to be the person to say that that person was weak i've had i have friends who's who a parent committed suicide i have 
Um, yeah, so it's, it's a kind of close to home topic. And within the hospital, we see it all the time. It's called lig ligatures, where people trying to um, um, strangle themselves because they might have a chronic condition and they know they're not going to get better. And they think instead of living in pain, why not take my own life? From a Gurbani perspective and a Sikhi perspective, I'm not the probably the best person to talk about that, but human birth is Chirasi Lak Jun Sabai Manasko Prabhdivadiai Ispori to Jonar Chike Janam Maran Fir Avega like um and I may have said that Shabbat wrong, but um out of all the life forms, the human birth is the highest life form. It's very precious. And the person who slips from this body, like this step, will fall back into birth and death. So um from a Gurbani perspective, life is very precious and it's something to be treasured and it's something to be earnestly used towards your, your spiritual path. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I've just had a thought where it's, um, sometimes I think we, we have this sense of perfection and we, um, we see suffering as a bad thing. I think if we learn to acknowledge suffering and know how to deal with suffering and this pain of suffering which sometimes is, is a drive to suicide you know this you mentioned before a lack of self-worth or hopelessness if a person can live with that and ha know how to deal with that then perhaps they can get through that phase where a relationship breaks down or something tragic happens like a stoic kind of mindset you know where you kind of like no matter what happens in life you literally have to be dragged out of this life you know you want to you want to you, you got to have something there basically what i mean yeah i agree with you buddy and some of the some of the most amazing people that i know mm. um i have a friend who's in foster care and he's he's one of the most amazing people i know um he would do anything for, for, you know, he's helped so many people out in their lives through difficult situations. There's people like Oprah was abused when she was a child by um, when, when she was living with her grandmother. So, you know, there's people and she's, I think, gone on to do lots of things. I think she's done over 50,000 interviews with, with people, become one of the most um, popular black people or Afro-Caribbean people in, um, in the world. There's people who, uh, other people that I can, I'm trying to think of. My, I did a, I did a little podcast about my past, and my, you know, I came from a single parent family. My, my, lots of my family members were alcoholic. I did not see myself where I am today. Um, so, there are. I think if you, like you said, if you can get through difficult times, it really builds a lot of character, and it really helps with with self-efficacy your ability to feel like you can get through anything but that will only come through hardship and challenge so there's a book called the obstacle is the way that through hardship greatness comes it doesn't come and and i have a lot of friends who are boxers and they say that you know with boxing there's a common very common popular um, phrase which is that when you it's hard to wake up early and go running when you when you've got glass you know you've got gold slippers or when you've got a lot of money or silk silk robes so when you're poor and you're hungry they you know they can they can graft and they can work really hard at things but when they're rich and they have all the potential 
downfalls that comes with that, then it's harder for them to stay motivated to continue to be champions. And I and I think, yeah, I was I think I agree with you completely in terms of that stoic philosophy that that hardship is something that's gonna um, make a diamond from a rock with that heat and that pressure. Okay, any questions? No, I just wanted to mention that if we look at uh, how, you know, good, uh, in terms of like people who are suffering and mental health and, you know, what goes on in their life and how Guru Sahib, you know, can change someone. Um, there's two things I would say. Firstly is the story of, of the cannibal who, his, he was like, you know, a very successful businessman, was very, the life was going well. Then the whole his basically his life turned upside down. The, everyone became went against him, and he became a cannibal. And he was going to eat by Mardana. And then Guru Nanak Dev Ji, you know, listened to his suffering and and changed this this person who was suffering and was going to eat by Mardana. And he turned him to an amazing Gursik. And the same way there was like you know the prostitute who was suffering, and then Guru Nanak or Guru Sahib turned them into turned them into an amazing Gursik. So, you know, there's so many examples, even to today, of people who have been, you know, their lives, it just looks like they're just, just going down, 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 and looks like, you know, killing themselves is like the, is the next thing that they, they, they might do. But then we can see how, you know, through the power of Guru Sahib that is possible and Guru Sahib can turn them into the most amazing uh, Guru Sikhs as well. So yeah, thanks. that's a really good point, Bali. There's, there's, there's Shabbos in Gurbani, but also by Gurdas, there's Vaz, there's Shabbos around Ganka, Balmik. Um, there's, there's, who was, uh, there's one was a butcher, one was a prostitute. Um, so there were people who were downtrodden in, in difficult situations and, and their lives were turned around through, uh, devotion to God. There's loads of examples of kind of transformation. Um, okay. So this is a little bit of a break because this is a heavy topic, lots of stuff, which is potentially a bit heavy. So I'm going to talk about why is mental health not acknowledged? So why do you think um, people don't treat mental health like they treat physical illness or coronavirus? I, I was surprised that there was so much going on around coronavirus, but very few people were talking about the mental health impacts. Um, I, I read, I was watching a, a House of Commons debate a couple of days ago, and they said that suicide rates went up 400% during... Um, and they, they want to put a tax on TikTok and because they were saying that there's a positive correlation between social media consumption and mental health disorders, anorexia, uh, and um, suicide rates, self-image, all of that kind of stuff. So that was the House of Commons debate, but they were saying mental health disorders, including suicide rates, went up 400% during the coronavirus period. So we, we, we hear a lot about coronavirus. We don't hear so much about mental health issues. Um, on mainstream media, on the news. Why do you think that is? Um, I, th I think we are hearing about it now. Um, I've noticed a big change, like in the last, I don't know, five years-ish, I guess, um, it's coming in the mainstream. I don't know if it's because of social media or, or what's, what's happened to change it. Um, maybe from kind of, you know, the mainstream doctors recognizing that actually it is an illness and you know that it's complex and it's not you can't fix it with a pill really you know it's, it's, it's deep rooted and there's many aspects to it really um 
and it's it's hard to I guess it's hard because it's a mental thing. It's it's hard to kind of gra uh, quantify and say, look, like you said, a broken leg, you can see it with your eyes, and you can take evidence of it. How do you take evidence of mental health? You know, what do you what do you take photos of? What do you do? Mm, it's more subjective, point. isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Good point. Um, what can we do today to improve our mental health? You can put things in place in your life to make sure you've got the tools and resources. So when you're, when, you, when, when, you know, you're suffering or things go bad, you, you have like a, a set of tools and things to do to kind of get you out of that or people to talk to, or you got something to do to get you out of that rather than just kind of living life and just thinking that, you know, nothing's ever going to go bad. And, and if something did go bad, you'd be able to cope with it. But actually knowing that something, if something was to go wrong, you know that you can get through it by doing X, Y, Z. So if we had a toolkit, what would be in your, or like a gym, mental psychological gym, what would be in your toolkit or gym? What types of things would you guys have? Firstly, I think, um, you know, Gurbani and, you know, all the, you know, Amrita Sikhi, all those Sikhi kind of things are, would be the kind of the first kind of thing that would be. But then also on top of that, depending on how much someone is suffering, they all, to be fair, all levels of suffering, someone, they also need someone to talk to as well. Um, so as long, essentially having the Guru as the main one you talk to is, is, the, is the perfect thing. But sometimes you also need a physical person, a human being to talk to as well. So having, whether it's Sangat, even then it depends are they the right people to talk to about mm -hmm. your issues? So mm -hmm. having professionals, you know, active professionals who know what they're talking about. Um, like now we've got Sikh psychologists and things, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Things like that, if depending on the, what the, the spectrum of someone's mental kind of uh, problem is. Thank you. Anybody else? Um, I've got a few ideas, but I don't want to... Seems, it seems like I've taken over. <laughs> so, no, you haven't. Yeah, I appreciate your contribution. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've, I think longer and deep about this, to be honest. Um, I'm, you know, if it's okay with you, Bajia, I, I would love to sh uh, kind of send some some of my detailed analysis on this. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I, I just think it's, like I said before, it's very, it's very complex. So you've got to attack it. You've got to deal with it, not attack it. It seems a bit aggressive. Um, you've got to deal with it from a number of perspectives. So number one, like Ranjit Singh said, it, it's about the spiritual aspect um you got to look at them your social relationships as well to kind of have positive like good healthy relationships remove toxic people uh, physical work so physically moving getting outside um sunlight i've just one of the things i'm realizing now learned is how important it is to get outside in the morning just have uh, reduce the anxiety so much um nutrition is a big one as well what you eat you are what you eat um so if you are if your diet is poor or even even if it's a healthy diet but you still could be lacking vitamin and minerals it is going to be affecting your uh, your kind of neurons in your brain and that's going to have a knock on effect on your mental health as well so from a physiological point of view um and just be careful like be mindful of what you're watching what you're reading um and I'm really beginning to love the stoic mindset, like to, to, to listen to other people's stories. I mean, obviously, you know, you've had more experience than that in terms of dealing with patients, but 
when you listen to you see what people go through and how much they suffer and you think they're still living what why are they living like why they're not why do they not call it a day what you know what makes them go on so it's just that constantly every day just diving deep within yourself to find out to get that thing to which is going to drive you to move on you know to, to find that thing to find that people you can call it a passion or a drive or a focus or whatever it is you could you you have to work at it is effort is a lot of effort 100 thank you anybody else anybody got any tools that they use to help with mental health okay so let's move on uh how can you help a family member any ideas talk to them and try and understand where the what why they're suffering and uh where this where the root of it is is actually coming from and then you know trying to figure out how you can get forward from there and then give the give the show them serve professional services if if they need it as well i like that answer because i think i think in our community there's a lot of stigma around accessing services or or medication or treatment so i think it's it's there's like oh you know you can't let anybody know that you have a weakness especially around you know pharmaceutical intervention or external intervention like a psychologist or psychotherapist or counselor so i think it's um terrific that you you have that mindset that if someone needs help they they should get it it doesn't matter what anyone thinks um anybody else i feel like at the dinner table, like for example even something little as, as little as um, just sitting at the dinner table and like instead of just eating your food because i see a lot of people nowadays who are just like like I'm guilty of it myself. Like sometimes if I'm eating with like I'm at I'm at, I'm at the table, I'll be on my phone sometimes or something. So I feel like just sitting and talking to each other, like saying how your day was and stuff. Like for example, when a parent comes back from work and stuff, they wouldn't really open it because they always ask us how school was, but we never say how work was. Mm, that's true. Yeah, so maybe just asking them like about how their day was, what's going on with like life and stuff, and sometimes just catch up on their life and see what's going on as well. Yeah. I really like that answer because there's a book on longevity and in the book they were talking about religion being one of the ways that people live longer and they were hypothesizing that it's a sense of community within religion that gives people a sense of belonging, gives them purpose, gives them a community that they can rely on for practical and emotional support. Um, and I've been reading a lot into the Danish way of life because they have the highest subjective um, uh, happiness levels in the world and they consistently voted the highest for the last 10 years I think they they were voted highest um, in six of those years and they have this principle called Hugh I think is how you pronounce it and and they don't have great weather they they live in you know not a very warm country um, they're not particularly affluent so it's not there's no this doesn't seem to be a, a correlation with money beyond a, a certain level of um standard of living but they they do tend to have this sitting around a dinner table kind of um habitual uh pattern so they'll go to work they and then they'll come home they'll light candles there's a whole danish way of lighting then they'll have a warm drink together and then they'll they, they won't have any technology so they won't have any phones or screens and tv and they'll play board games or they'll have conversations or they'll talk about 
not, not nothing necessarily meaningful but that that sense of kind of um community and belonging and and that cohesiveness seems to be quite protective from a psychological uh, viewpoint so i like that and i think in punjab it was a bit more like that what was the name of the the concept you mentioned it's called Hugh, but I'm not sure whether that's how you pronounce it. But if you type in the Danish way of living, there's a there's a very popular book that's been released. And if you know anyone who's a new parent, there's also a very good book called uh, The Danish Way of Parenting. So both books I, I would highly recommend because there's this really simple strategies in there, which I, I tried to implement with my family. And I noticed a, a big difference on my kids' behavior and how many kind of outbursts there were and and I found it had it had a positive impact on us. Yeah, um, I think you referenced. I think you mentioned before. Sometimes uh, suicide is not just something that happens in the moment. It's, it's sometimes a gradual build up. So to prevent or to reduce the risk, it's got to start from like day one. You know, it's got to start from right at the beginning. Um, and things like um, Mampi Singh said about relationships, um, we we have to. It's got to start with yourself, obviously. You got to have a good relationship with yourself, but um, to keep positive, loving relationships with people, you know, whether it's your family, your friends, um, and to keep that door open to people. Sometimes families, it can be a very difficult family because you get politics and and arguments and and whatnot and you know you don't want to speak to certain family members and that's it they're, they're shut off really so mm. you've, you kind of close that door but it just i guess if, if you're living a true let's say if, you, if you're a true guru sikh because even a guru sikh even gurus uh, i don't know which guru is but even they have issues with their family members you know yeah exactly so now they think, oh you know is it just me am i am i doing something wrong am i getting all the same family members but then you, you look at the guru's lives and you think okay you know what it kind of gives you a sense of relief that it, it is normal you know these relationship issues are, are normal um mm. so the, yeah to answer the question how can you help your family is, is to depends where you are where the issue is i guess if it's quite serious then yeah you know you're talking about emergency services and calling getting immediate help but if it's at the beginning or in the middle then it's about doing the little things together whether it's like you said eating together going out together or talking or just doing nothing together you know whatever it is just just to try to build that non uh, yeah build those kind of bridges really excellent thank you um next case study i took this random picture this isn't a case study related to this person so if you know this person don't don't um, tell them about this presentation but um this is this is a, a sink approached me and he was suffering from quite severe de depression now th there's a dsm manual which looks at mental health conditions and they try to characterize them and there's signs and symptoms for mild moderate and severe depression and and he was he seemed like he had quite moderate to severe depression um in our conversations he was yeah i, I felt for him but if you if you looked at him externally, he would go to the Espanya. He would, um, he was you know in in Sikhi Sroop, in Kota um, Pajama all the time, and it was from the outside, it seemed like 
this guy should be fine because he's he's religious. But I put this in here because I think there's this misconception that if somebody is from an Amradari family or if they um, do their part, then naturally they're not going to have any problems. And Bali Bali talked about you know, throughout Itihas, like Guru Sahib's lived a very practical life. They lived a grist even within a family. And within families, there's Shabad around that um, your father, your mother, your friends, your your family, your, your brothers are all sanjogs, all connections that you've had from previous lives and you've come together in this life with them. But in the end, none of them will be your support. And so I think it's important to appreciate that everybody has issues regardless of how big your turban is and um and so it's it's not really fair to say to an amartari in all instances that if you have a problem just do more part just do more seva just do more simran because as ranjit Baji said they they might need something they might need something they might not be able to focus so in gurbani it says that the manmuk um, does har har, does vaigru vaigru, um, karthake, that, but he gets, he gets tired of it. That his mind doesn't get washed. So it's very important in Gurbani, there's a big emphasis on not just the tick box exercise of doing something, but for your in, attention and intention to be there. And in Gurbani, it says, that um means with one with focus and attention and it and in gurbani it gives us the method of how to do that and it guides us through the process but it's very important that if somebody is in a state frame of mind where they can't focus they can't read parts they they're doing they're trying their best but they're not um they're still suffering then it's better, in my opinion, and not that I know much about this stuff, but in my opinion, it's better that they access services, get help, get support, have somebody compassionate in their family who says, you know, even if you're supposed to be the strong one, even if you're supposed to be the religious one, it's okay if you're going through a rough time. There's no shame in that. Um, and we're here for you. And we can get through it together. So this, this slide is just essentially there as a disclaimer that just because of the way I look, it doesn't mean that I won't go through certain things. And if somebody is going through something and they share that with you, saying to them, you need to do more part, you need to do more seva, it may help, but also they may need other pieces of help as well. Any any comments on that? I think it's a, it's a fair point. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's definitely a fair point, you know. Just uh, like someone's a gorsika and so on, and if they're suffering, yes, doing part and that's you know having. It's, it's, I think the whole with with all with Gurbani, the whole thing Guru Sahib is trying to get us to understand is we actually are here just by ourselves, and it's just a it's just a a fight with the mind, and and what we end up doing is we have all these kind of things in our life which take us away and they cause us these mental health issues and everything and people can help us but you know essentially it is just 
once you kind of build that relationship with with Guru Sahib and it's so strong that that, that essentially can you know overcome any um, problems that you can have but to get to that kind of state is very difficult in itself um, and it's about building that kind of relationship with it definitely my my wife's nanny she we're going to talk about loneliness in one of the case studies if we have enough time i know we're running over but um she's been alone for for a long period of time maybe 35 years and in the world health organization the last piece of literature that i read was looking to outlaw solitary confinement because they deemed it a form of torture and so loneliness has a significant impact and we're going to talk about this but my point was that um, she has such a strong faith and she has such a strong routine that regardless of the fact that she's been isolated for so long, she is, she is in, in a, she's amazing. She's um, an amazing person full of love. She's, she's been the rock within the family. And so she has that relationship with God. She has, you know, she'll do four hours, five hours, eight hours, bar to simmer in a day. She'll wake up at a certain time. She do her shnan, do her nitanam, then do some exercise, then do some more part. And, and that's her that's her life and that's her connection. Her relationship with Gurbani and Simran is so strong that she gets everything she needs from that relationship. She doesn't need other people. And when you have conversations with her mentally, she's she's doing really well. Her outlook, her frame of mind seems very positive and for all the years that i've known her which is 12 11 11 years um you know it's it's just incredible i think if I, anyone left me alone for and i've experienced this during corona period during um, the lockdown i think i would struggle but um and i have struggled but you know I, some people like Baji said they do get to that point where they have strong such a strong relationship with god and and we look at it from Sadhus and Gosiks throughout history who have gone into long periods by these things, spent time in prison. He was in solitary confinement, um, a very inspirational Gosik in the past. Um, and people deliberately seek out opportunities to isolate themselves so they could focus on meditation and focus on prayer. Um, but for the rest of us, loneliness can have a significant impact. So I'm probably only going to do one more because uh, I have to put my kids to bed. But case study five is about relationships. And this is this is an important topic as well, because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now with the basic stuff is about how relationships are, um, they're, they're, they're falsely sold. So people have this impression that it's going to be like a Disney movie or Bollywood, and they're going to run through the fields and then hug their loved one, and then they're going to be happy ever after. But relationships are very difficult. I think the divorce rates in the UK, I think, are around 50%. So one in two marriages will fail. Um, I have lots of friends who are divorced, um, lots of friends who have gone through very difficult periods of time, and nobody, none of them ever got into that relationship with the intention of ending that relationship. So relationships are, are very challenging to make work. Um, and in Gurbani, there's lots of lots of shabads around relationships. Um, there's shabads around how the bunch make two people fight. There's shabads around what you can do if you've got conflict in your household. Um, that, um, come together, 
dubda dur dubda is like duality um dur karo live lai that um put that aside and join live lai connect to god harnamo ki ho vajori um in god's name come together um gurumukh mile sababashai that when the gurumukhs meet they will sit sabai is like a congregation they will sit as a congregation um uh, in with the pasata lobi like in this in this way they change they flip from that being in that conflict state of conflict to being in that state of um bliss and there's lots of when you when you're getting married there's always that shabad on the wedding cards that um ek jyot doi murti that take two souls in in one two bodies but one soul and so i think it's really important to recognize that marriage is is really difficult to get to that stage and that is is very difficult where your two minds sorry two bodies with one mind or two or one jot um and there's issues within relationships and there's issues that necessarily we don't have the skills right now to to deal with some of it is modeling so if we haven't had a parent relationship where we can see yeah they can amicably amicably resolve their disputes they can talk about things there's a there's a respect that's there and that's lasting and throughout the marriage they're loyal they're honest they um they they share those qualities if that behavior hasn't been modeled to us then it can be quite difficult to know what to do when things get difficult um so that's one potential explanation um but yeah it'd be interesting to get your your thoughts i i've been married happily for uh god's grace for 11 years so i have a little bit of experience but what are your thoughts in conflict in a relationship um well i think before uh so i've been you know i'm married for 3 years now and uh this whole the first three years of you know getting it being into sikhi and everything i always just thought you know like um sikhi and sangat and these kind of things are all you know it's like it's perfect and able to you know help solve your kind of problems and things um and like you know i was very reliant on sangat for for my sikhi but then obviously lockdown and you know that kind of had a big impact and made me realize it's just a you know you have to be strong internally by yourself and so 3 years later i've kind of come to the understanding that um no matter no matter what you're doing or whether your relationship is with a person or with your family or with sangat whatever it is you can't really rely on anyone and you have your you have to be internally strong um and you have to constantly constantly try you just keep trying to make yourself internally strong um once you can do that then any kind of conflicts you have anywhere you can then be strong enough to deal with it and you know because it's all about fighting the punch job within your mind and and making yourself internally your mind strong but if it's if you're not at the stage where you haven't got that kind of understanding yet then any conflict anywhere becomes quite difficult but once mm-hmm. you've got that understanding that you and you've made yourself internally strong then you can um you know you can cope with all kind of scenarios i think and when terms of relationships i'm thinking that you know i'm obviously I'm not in one but if you're if you're internally strong and that other person is also on a journey to make themselves internally strong and um you know if that's if if you're doing you know you're focusing on your on yourself then 
if that's what you're doing, then, you know, rather than thinking that the other person is going to help you or the other person is going to complete your, the, the problems that you have, right? But if you make yourself internally strong first, mm -hmm. then I think that it kind of, that will help with any issues that come. But that's a lovely answer. Um, anybody else? How do you have a happy marriage, a happy relationship? Um, I feel like back in the day, I feel, I feel like a huge issue was with, was within like the idea of having the wife move in, live with the family, etc. I feel like and like the conflict, a lot of conflicts did start from mother-in-law to daughter-in-law. But I feel like nowadays, I feel like um, the generations that have like now been married and stuff, people have now been married. I think they've um, luckily adopted a more Western ideology and are more accepting of like people like kids are living out now so that also does help and like for example uh if a, a mother back in the day mother-in-laws wouldn't want their daughter-in-law to go out and work so they'll be at home and for example say if they bicker during the day the daughter-in-law will let her anger out on the son on her husband sorry so that causes conflict as well i feel like now there's a lot more freedom in a way so it helps both parties that's what i i, I think in theory it does, but I think in reality, divorce rates in our community have increased and, and there's more people living independently now than there has been ever before. I think it all stems, stems from the fact that people get into relationships thinking that the other person is going to solve their issues or the other person is going to be the one to help. But if we flip that and you, you've made yourself, you know, you've, you've come to the realization that no one's going to help whether it's sangat or family or partner or whatever no one's going to be able to help you internally become strong you have to build that relationship with yourself and your guru and make it strong and your mind and once you've done that then if you go to any relationship you can deal with and you can successfully kind of get through anything and i think that's where the issue has come is people go into these kind of things whether it's going into sangat or family having faith and family or, or in a partner thinking that they're going to help solve the, all of their issues. Yeah, Darshan Kaur, um, my wife, she would agree with you. She thinks a lot of it is down to expectation that the other person is expected to complete you. But, you know, she's realized after being married to me that um, that's not going to happen. The other person is not going to complete you. You need to work on yourself yeah. um, and complete yourself. And then you can come together and mutually help each other. But there's nobody can make you happy you have to make yourself happy um but that's that's her opinion that's just one opinion again but yeah manpreet values points as well valid in terms of i she did a group on um it wasn't on relationships it was on marriage so she had loads of married seat couples and she separated them so she had the wives talking and she had the husbands talking and the number one gripe of the wives were that they didn't like their mother-in-laws they weren't necessarily living with them. In majority of cases, she, she didn't know anybody in that group who was still living with their mother-in-law, but they just didn't like, they just didn't get on with their mother-in-laws. And uh, emotional intelligence as well, I think is, is key in relationships. Um, I mean, I'm not married myself, but I'm just guessing like in a relationship, you, gotta, you have to understand your own emotions because if your emotions get out of control, then that could, have um sometimes they don't meet sometimes they can hurt people even though you don't mean to so you might say something uh, in anger or frustration um but if you don't understand what the emotions are going inside going on inside your body and your mind how to control those and, and 
recognize and be aware of like oh you know i'm frustrated i'm angry i'm mm. disappointed what, what is the root cause like what, what's going on here mm. and and to work on those and take ownership of those um i think that can help to cause uh to help to prevent a lot of conflict mm. um definitely agree on working on yourself but also working on yourself together as well if you're if you're a couple i think that's nice where you work on common shared objectives and goals um then that's that's good as well um do, do you think it's important to i mean you know you said you you're married do you think is it there's a thing where being in love so do you think it's important to be in love before you get married or is it these things come after and then there's a whole fear of like if what if it doesn't come what if it doesn't happen then what yeah so i'm going to try and give an honest answer i think um i i, I didn't know my wife before we got married i i probably knew her for i the first time i met her i said yes so then we got married a couple of months later is a very kind of traditional way of doing things which i don't think would necessarily work now um and whether i loved her i don't know i don't probably i probably think i would say i did um we did talk on the phone and i did really i was kind of in love if that makes sense um but yeah i, I guess it comes down to what is love like the definition of love is it like a neurochemical response is it that infatuation that excitement you get or is it something more long lasting that endures through ups and downs um yeah i think that that's just my experience i think you might i think nowadays if i was going to go through that whole process again i think i would want to be in love with the person or feel like i am in love with the person before i committed to having um spending my re- the rest of my life with the other person but when i got married um it wasn't necessarily like that then that makes sense yeah and you know you mentioned by you about divorce rates as well these are not these are also amatari couples is that right the the consent the census on divorce rates is just uk based they don't really look they don't i don't know they don't really subdivide it into into that that depth where they look at how many of them are sikhs or how many of them are practicing amritari sikhs and then it it probably comes to a larger definition of like what is a sikh do you have to be amritari do you have to be nitnami and amritari like actually keeping rat i think that the whole the whole definition of a sikh thing is probably a, a topic in itself but as far as i know there isn't anything done within the amritari com- community in terms of research on that but i would hazard a guess that it's the same in amritari communities as it is in within any kind of um other ethnic minority group in terms of with um pakistani muslims or they may be a bit less i don't know I, or they may be a bit more because i know the whole divorce process is a bit easier if you're muslim you just say you want to divorce and then three times or something and then i think you're divorced whereas um in a amritari couple they would go to the panchpyare and the panchpyare would would in in my experience they would never say you should get divorced so they would try and be mediators and get that couple to work it work it out in my experience that's never worked in my probably just maybe four or five cases of the 
the couples that I know. That's never worked. Not as a fault of the Panjipiari, but they, they were just too far gone, that couple, for, in their eyes to then resolve it and come together and come to a resolution. I think by it comes back to what you were saying with mental health, that when a relationship is kind of going down that road, then it's important to recognize things from the start and then try and work at things from the start. I think when things have been said or things have been done, then it can be very difficult to backtrack and heal a relationship. Um, and what both of you have said in terms of, all of you have said in terms of working on yourselves. Um, and I think that's an in, in, like, I think that's key. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, it was just interesting because I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be judgmental, but it's kind of like the other case study you're referencing, case study four, I think it was where, we look at someone, if, you know, a Matari couple, you think, okay, but they're both a Matari, they've both taken a commitment to God, to Guruji. They're on a spiritual path of some kind, you would think. So why would they, why would they get divorced? Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, like, in, in theory, you wouldn't think that, right? Like, do you know what I mean? It's, I, I get what you mean completely. Yeah. It's a valid point. Yeah, it's a valid point. I, Personally, for my, just, I can only speak from my relationship because I've only been married once. But being a Matari, like, I, I trust my wife completely. So, you know, she has access to my phone. I have access to her phone. I never doubt that she would do anything wrong in terms of, like, speak to another guy or that kind of stuff. And she gives me that trust as well. Um, I don't drink, so there's no risk of me getting drunk and then, having a relationship or and I have friends who've been in that situation they've got drunk and they've had an affair and then they've their wife is that trust is broken and they've got kids and but it's very difficult then to undo that damage in a relationship um so there's being and this is probably just being a sing in general like once I became a sing I stopped going clubbing stopped getting into street fights because I wasn't going clubbing where people were drinking I I like my life dramatically improved and the kinds of risky scenarios that I could get into dramatically decreased and I would say similar things apply in marriage like every time I've had conflict with my wife it's never been over you know I got drunk and hit her it's things like I forgot to put the socks in the laundry basket or something like that um, so I think from an Amratari perspective if you're doing things if you're doing things right or you're trying to then hopefully some of the, the potential pitfalls within a marriage should not happen. Even amongst, even uh, on top of that, though, it's, it, the, although the kind of the, um, those things are in place that, you know, make it more effective in terms of relationship things, it also comes down to the two individuals themselves. If, you know, they might, they might be six and they might look the part, but if, there's two people who um, maybe that connection is might not be as strong. Then you know that can I don't know uh, that could also be a factor in itself uh, to why kind of relationships might end as well. Um, whether the you know relationship with the guru sahib or relationship with with the person. Because um, end of the day, they might be guru Sikhs, but they're still human beings at the end of the day, and that's something that that kind of people think oh now they're guru Sikh, they're like Superman. But they're they they're good six, but that means that they've just got all they have all their difference that they are from like an 
a, a non-Amritari person is that they just have the tools to to live a great life or live a you know in terms of mental health and li live a, a positive life but they're still human they're still the same as a normal person they just got the tools it's up to that per those two people whether they use the tools and they they do they, they actually do what Guru Sahib says but yeah that's just uh yeah, so and also the, the the situations that I'm thinking of were people who are new into Sikhi. They probably um, they you know so, some of them were new into Sikhi, um, but they they weren't necessarily. Gurbani is all the journey of the mind in my very narrow knowledge and experience. So you can look like a Sikh. It doesn't necessarily mean you're um, a Sikh by the definition of Gurbani. So it, by the definition of Gurbani, I'm not a Sikh. It says, um, So that person who is a Sikh wakes up at Amritvalla and, um, and meditates on and does um, Simran. So that's, that, that's Gurbani's definition of what is a Sikh. So I, even though I look like a Sikh today, um, I'm not because I didn't do that. So um, I think is it's a bit like when you put on the uniform of a, a police officer or army officer to go to a fancy dress party, like you look the part, but you don't necessarily have the, the training behind it. And I think if you've, if you've got the training, you've got that way of life, then I think it will really help you. But just looking the part in itself won't necessarily save you from something, everything. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I guess my what, what I'm gonna was coming from was um, if Amritais are getting divorced and they're spirit, spiritual people or they're sick people, then the the recipe of a successful relationship or is is got nothing to do with spirituality. Then it's it's got to be something else, right? And like what spirituality in Amritai is different. Okay. okay, I think you can be a a spiritual in any religion. And you can probably be pious in any religion. I think the Dalai Lama is probably a lovely person. Um, I think there's probably lovely, very religious M Muslims and Hindus, um, Amritari Sikhs. I think there's probably very pious and righteous non-Amritari Sikhs. Um, for me, Amrit wasn't, wasn't about me not getting divorced or me having an easy marriage. It was more about trying to achieve my purpose in life, which wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with marriage. I don't know if that answers your question or if that is just, just really abstract. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, um, it's fine. So it was just, and one more point I just wanted to ask you or just bring up is the importance of, and relating to, I think, the earlier case study about lust as well. So the importance of attraction whether it's physical attraction or emotional mental attraction to your partner, how important is that before marriage, in a, in a marriage, in a relationship? Yeah, I think once you're married, it's not important at all. Like, um, I think when you're, when you're courting, when you meet someone, I think I'm just being honest, you know, I, I knew what my wife looked like. You know, I was, I was attracted to my wife. I thought she was beautiful. Um, but after you're married, like very quickly that becomes insignificant because it's a bit like imagine your best mate and you had to live with your best mate for like 30 years, day in, day out, share the same bed. Um, you kind of, the personality of that person um, or the roommate becomes a lot more probably relevant and important than what the person looks like. 
I think after a while, after a while, just uh, their looks become insignificant, and it's their quality and their character that's going to make that relationship really, really happy and enjoyable. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you, guys. Anybody? Any, any other questions or comments? Um, I feel like everyone's asked they, what they needed to. I feel like if anyone uh, does have any questions, if anyone does want to get in contact with you, uh, his Spadi's uh, Instagram is on our most recent story. He was he's also tagged as well on the social media post. So if you do want to reach out to him, you're more than welcome to. And yeah. Why do you need more questions or any more like final comments? Sorry, I was just turning my phone off. Um, so the first the first link, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. The first link or the first profile name is Seek Your Mind. That's a charity, a Seek Charity, all mental health professionals. My wife's one of them. Um, they have a hotline. So they, they deal with all sorts of things like grooming, mental health issues, suicide, um, and it's all free. So Seek Your Mind is trained healthcare professionals that help, and it's specifically designed for our community. Um, next one's my profile name. So if you have any problems, if you want to talk to me, you can always um, DM me. And if you type Habib in Google, you'll, you'll get links for my YouTube um, and my podcasts. And I would recommend subscribing because there's lots of interesting ones. The, the next one's going to be with Seek Women's Aid, which is a domestic violence organization. And we're going to have someone um, come on and talk about their experiences with domestic violence. So we'll be addressing a lot of the things that similar things to what we talked about in here that no one really talks about. Basics of Seeky, we're doing a series with them. So please follow them. It's called um, the Life Mindset Series. And this is, I'm actually in the studio now. So that's the mindset series. And we're going to be talking about a lot of these things. We're going to be talking about like last masturbation pornography. We're going to be talking about things like um, obesity, like exercise, the secret of life. Um, so more kind of real life relevant topics. Um, so there's going to be stay tuned to that for that. And Turkey is a organization which I'm not too familiar with, but I know they are well established within the Punjabi community. It's a, it's a men's mental health group. Uh, for South Asians, and they do a lot of work in increasing the awareness related to the mental health within the South Asian community. So any any one of those resources will hopefully um, be able to answer your questions and, and to help if you have any problems or if you have any concerns. And if during this presentation I'm, I repeat any good brownie wrong, which is probably all wrong, and also made any mistakes in, and to offend anybody, uh, that was definitely not my intention. So please forgive me for that. Okay. Um, last thing I want to just mention is before I came into Siki as well, I, you know, was had a lot of uh, issues and and problems I was suffering with and mental health things, and uh, I was so I didn't have any relationship with Guru like Siki or anything like Gurbani, nothing. Then at that point in my life, when I was sixteen, a school therapist was amazing for me. That helped me at that stage, but it was when I, a year or two, two years later, when I came into Sikhi and, uh, you know, Sangat and Girta and Gurwani and everything, that's what fully 100% um, fixed everything. But th that initial phase of talking to someone through a therapist was was amazing and that helped loads.
but then obviously from myself uh, Siki and was what took it to the which helped at the next level um but that's you know it's important important is always just to talk to someone as well um whatever stage someone is yeah and i think it takes a brave you know like there is that male toxicity that one of the venues talked about about uh, you know that sherban or you know you, you can't have a problem you can't talk about it, you can't show weakness but i think it takes strength and bravery to say you know i'm struggling with something or you know i struggled with something in the past i think those are the brave people 